Welcome, everybody. Today, our guest is Dr. Ben Johnson. He's the founder and formulator of Osmosis Skincare, one of my favorite skincare lines that I carry in my spa. Dr. Ben is a physician, an entrepreneur, which I think you're going to really see how much of an entrepreneur he is when you listen to his story today. He is an inventor and definitely an outside-the-box thinker who has spent most of his career in aesthetics. His holistic approach to highly effective alternative strategies that treat from the inside out to prevent and reverse aging contradicts most of the current methods being practiced today. I know many of you already know who Dr. Ben is. You see his headshot everywhere. You see his research. You followed his teachings. But I think you're going to enjoy today's show because he's going to tell us a little bit about his personal life a little bit about what kind of student he was in med school, and he's going to share with you many of his philosophies. I think you're really going to enjoy getting to know the man behind the brand Osmosis. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and I'm excited to introduce you to today's guest. We have Dr. Ben Johnson, who is the founder of Osmosis Skincare. Hey, Dr. Ben. Hey, Lori. Good to be here. Thank you. I know you're super busy. Thank you for joining in today. I can't wait to uh, let everybody know the real you. I feel like everybody sees your headshot and they see your research, but I don't know if people know how caring and how kind you are and how generous you are with your knowledge. So that's the Dr. Ben I want to talk about today. <laughs> okay, we'll see how that goes. <laughs> all right. Well, you know what? First of all, you spent the weekend in Miami. Yes. You're at a trade show there. Is there anything new and exciting we need to know about in the beauty biz world? You know, that was, uh, if there, what struck me more than anything was there is nothing new. <laughs> yeah, I felt that way the last time I went to a trade show. Yeah, I'm, it's disappointing to... It just it feels like we've kind of stagnated on the technology front, and I and the shows. It just the whole the, the system, the way the skincare world works with the trade shows and uh, trying to get your uh, sharing information with people and, and and reaching them. It's so difficult, even in the trade show business. So I I think there's a shift going on in the industry, and we'll see if, if trade shows are a leader. You know, five years from now, it may be a totally different paradigm. How did you feel about the attendance there? Was it pretty busy or sporadic? It was pretty good. It's the Miami show, so it's um, we we'd only do that occasionally. It's it's not known for being. It's known for be, uh, bringing in a bunch of uh, people from nearby countries who want to buy at that moment, and we you know we don't stock up at the shows, so um, it's a show for retailers really more than anything. But it was good. Did you oh, it's good to be in Miami? Yeah. You know what I was going to say? When I used to be a flight attendant, that was one city that I never not had fun in. Did you go out and have a good time while you were there? <laughs> well, a little bit. We went out, I went out with my team and uh, not, I wouldn't say having a good time. I'm kind of uh, done with the days of uh, 
having a little too good of a time the night before and then regretting it at the trade show the next day, you know? That happens in our 40s. I totally <laughs> yes. <laughs> it happened, yes. It was, it was a very uh, shattering shift. But it's good. It's good to be uh, healthier. And um, I don't know. These days I'm finding myself doing a lot more introspection. So I, I don't have the need to go out and, um, you know, dance the night away. <laughs> That's funny. Well, every now and then I heard in Vegas, your team had some fun, but I get it. (laughs) That's true. We do know how to party when the time is right. (laughs) Well, I want to go back a little bit and talk about where you, did you grow up in Seattle? Is that correct? Or in Washington? I was born in the South in Little Rock, Arkansas and spent a few years there. Um, And then we migrated to Seattle when I was four and I spent most of my life there I uh, went to Seattle Prep High School, Seattle University College, uh, a couple of years, um, in a year and a half in Europe. Um, during that time, the, the way my scheduling was, I was able to uh, take a, a year, my senior year of high school, I went to Italy, and my uh, sophomore year of college, I went spent six months in France, so um, I broke it up a little bit. But yes, yeah, so Seattle's beautiful. I just couldn't live there again, and just because of the uh, the weather pattern is too hard on me now. I, I need sun more often than that. What about? Did you know? Do you come from a, a family of doctors? When did you say, okay, I want to go to med school? Yeah, I did. My dad was a radiation oncologist, but he was also an entrepreneur. My parents had a French bakery, and uh, they started on their own. They started off as a restaurant, and then they built it up into a pretty successful French bakery. So I kind of learned the entrepreneurial side, um, as well as the medical side for my dad. And I think I, 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 I was, had the most boring quotes in the world. I think even in my eighth grade yearbook, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor. That's all I said. And so I wanted to clean hotel rooms when I was, yes, (laughs) my aunt had a hotel that I thought was so cool. So yours was a little more exciting than mine. But did you actually put that in your yearbook? Because that would not be inspired. Not in my yearbook. I had this journal my mom gave me. It was the career journal. And I multiple years I wanted to be a hairdresser, but there was one year that I really thought I wanted to be a hotel maid. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So you know, well, so eighth grade you wanted to Jennifer be, Lopez did it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that was one actually one of my favorite movies. I like that. Yeah, me too. So if going back in the eighth grade you knew you wanted to do that, but now let's step forward into med school. I have a lot of friends that are doctors. We're all around the same age. Were you kind of a book geek in med school? Did you have any fun at all? <laughs> yes. No, that was my problem. So <laughs> medical school was, um, it was a challenge for me because it did require more work than I um, was used to putting in. Um, but I just met my wife at the time, uh, and uh, was falling in love. So um, I spent way too much time falling in love and not enough time going to class. And, um, and so that, you know, that was reflected. I, you know, I, I did fine. I, of course, you know, passed and graduated and all those good things. But it was the clinical side that really drove me. So for the first two years of med school, you learn all the technical stuff that uh, is, you know, borderlines on the, on, on the boring, you know, it's uh, the, the microbiology stuff that you never recall again. And the, um, there's so many things that you're just like, am I really going to need this in my clinical practice? But then after two years, you get to go over to the hospital. And that's when I really 
um, was inspired, I guess. And uh, you just, you realize, uh, so I really embraced it. I would say the second half of the, uh, of the medical school year. And that was when um, I believe I was married at that time. And so it just made everything yeah, flow a lot better. Well, I know my sister went to nursing school and her clinicals changed her life. They changed who you are as a person. And one of her most profound clinicals was working at a homeless shelter in downtown Los Angeles. Was there a favorite clinical of yours that changed who you were, defined who you wanted to be as a doctor? Ooh, I'm going back now. You're pushing me back several decades here, Lori. Let's see. <laughs> um, my favorite time... Um, it was it was family medicine. It it was um, being responsible for somebody who's got you know a host of several issues going on and looking at it from a slightly different perspective. I didn't realize it back then, but I was um, using uh, my common sense uh, strategies and I, those are, I guess and another word for those is are my intuitive strategies a little bit more than I uh, was aware at the time. And so it just made it easier for me to kind of understand the, the bigger picture of the patient. Although I was still, you know, brainwashed into medication and all of the things that if you ask me today, do I believe in? Most of them I don't. So it was a funny time, but it was definitely that my transition period. And um, it wasn't until after I graduated. So I graduated med school. I'm going, uh, I'm doing a year of family practice to before I go off and do sports medicine. And, um, it was, you know, all at that time, everything seemed clear to me. I was going to be doing non-surgical sports medicine. And, um, and then the next thing, you know, laser hair removal popped up, uh, in the scene and it hadn't been FDA approved yet, but I'd heard about it and my entrepreneurial brain clicked in and I'm like, well, that's going to be big. And, um, so I started one of the first chains of, of laser hair removal clinics while I was in residency, which is just not supposed to necessarily be done. So uh, at some point, my residency said, look, you're either going to be a sports medicine doc or you're going to have your practice. You can't do both. And I made the decision that I wanted to go out and try something new. And that was basically uh, heavily weighted on the, the sort of sad state of the medical community today, which it's just so business and insurance and, uh, you know, how many minutes do you have with this patient before you have to move on to the next one? And, um, it just wasn't appealing to me at all. So, um, I gladly made the leap and, uh, never have looked back. That's what I was going to ask you because again, we're around the same age. And when I graduated from college, nobody even knew about skincare, right? I, I yeah. remember my girlfriend coming to visit me from Vermont. She was coming out to LA and she said, I want to get a facial and I couldn't even find a place. Yeah. To book a facial with her. So when you opened your clinics, were there people waiting at the door? Was it something you really had to advertise and market to well, bring awareness was, to it? It was a new era because laser hair removal was very new. And unfortunately for me, uh, the machines were new enough that they stunk and they did not work at all. Um, but, um, you know, to answer the question, I... It was very successful out of the gate, which is what part of what helped me make the decision to go ahead and go that way. But yes, I had to advertise, which at the time, believe it or not, very few doctors advertised. Uh, back, This is 1997. Very few doctors advertised. 
me and one other doctor were the only ones in town with laser hair removal. Were you uh, in Colorado at the time? Yeah, yeah, in Denver. And, um, and so I had to convince people that laser hair removal was good. And unfortunately, uh, I didn't even know that I was telling them this, a, a non-truth at the time. Now I would tell you it's good uh, to the degree that it works. It, it does fine. But back then, the technology wasn't there. Um, so, yeah, there was a lot of advertising uh, but I wasn't into the facials and for about four to five months. So then I began to add, you know, Botox and collagen back then was the big injectable um, and, you know, laser resurfacing and, um, you know, and all this stuff. And I remember the first skincare line I think I brought on was called Biomedic. Do you remember Biomedic? I do. So they were kind of at the forefront of this whole facial idea. They were basically to physicians. So... Um, But yes, you're right. Very quickly, somewhere um, right around 2000, uh, the explosion occurred and uh, there were, you know, the number of estheticians and the number of uh, medispas was just growing at a way too fast a rate, really. A lot of people lost money uh, in that first phase because it was just too much for the demand. But then now it's the norm. I mean, how many people do you know that don't go get a facial? It's rare. I know. I think that most of my clients, they have my phone number on speed dial and not their family practitioner. (laughs) (laughs) So it kind of feels cool that, you know, you're that important to somebody helping them look and feel beautiful. Yes. Well, there's a responsibility, you know, an esthetician. That's actually what my message has been shifting a little bit. Um, and really emphasizing to them, to the estheticians, uh, you know, we're in the skin care business and um, we need to take that responsibility very seriously. And, and it involves a holistic view. And, you know, a lot of people go, oh, holistic, uh, that's that frou-frou natural stuff over there. By holistic, I mean you've got to look at the whole body. You've got to understand that every aspect, every emotion is playing a role. Every medication is playing a role. Um, of course, diet is playing a role and, um, you know, shifting our approach. It's hard because a lot of people thought, well, I'm getting into this. It's a pretty, you know, easy career. Um, I don't, you know, I don't have to be so scientifically advanced, but you kind of, to really be an effective esthetician, you do have to expand your knowledge to, um, all the things that people are facing. And I know you, <laughs> since we've had several chats about your clients, I know that you get the brunt of that for sure. I'll tell you a perfect example. And I really can give you the credit for shifting my awareness. Before I went to listen to you speak in Chicago a year and a half, two years ago, nobody really lit my skin care soul on fire. And honestly, I dragged Jay, my guy, to your speech. And I said, I have to find out if this doctor, it's just his like great blue eyes, or if he really has something (laughs) relevant to share with our industry, because I kept hearing your name. And the second I heard you speak, it was like, oh my gosh, he gets it. And we do have a lot of conversations about skincare. And I love it when you channel your inner esthetician, which I feel like you just did. (laughs) Yes, I did. (laughs) But what, you know, a, a perfect example of what you've done for the industry in my eyes, and we'll talk about osmosis in your skincare in a second. But I was at a business meeting the other day and I was sitting next to a woman who owns a multi-billion dollar technology company. And the whole time I was looking at her going, she has PCOS, you know, polycystic. (laughs) I hope she asked me about skincare. And at the very end of the day, she looked at me and said, Lori, why does my chin look like a teenager's? Oh, that's awesome. I felt so proud. And I think I get taken, 
you know, I'm not a doctor. I don't try to fix everything. And I do refer my clients out a lot to naturopathic doctors and to derms if I, you know, know they have a similar philosophy to mine. But it felt really cool being able to at least point her in the right direction to get it taken care of. Because aren't you a believer? And maybe you could speak to this a little bit. What our face, what's showing on our face is really closely tied to what's going on internally. Yeah. um, But I will make a comment on that one piece. That is the most difficult challenge I face on a daily basis, I guess. I know it's not the most difficult, but it is a very difficult challenge for me, which is, you know, I'm noticing everybody's skin, well, you know, just for whatever reason, I'm in the business and that's what I do. Um, and I know there's these people with such severe conditions that I know that it's tormenting their lives. And yet someone walking up to them and saying, hey, I noticed your skin is like their greatest fear. Right. Yeah. So I get the the worst reactions almost every time. I've stopped doing it. I've decided, like you said, I hope she asked me. Um, and somehow I've got to figure out a way to say, hey, I'm in the skin business. You know, I'll put that as a logo on my shirt. So if they have the inkling, you know, we can get that done. But yeah, that is very hard because almost always they're offended, they're embarrassed, and you know, I'm saying I'm a physician. You know, it's I, you shouldn't be embarrassed and. I can explain why it happens because uh, going back to your, your most recent question, um, it's such a gift to be able to explain to someone why something is occurring. You know, this, this last three decades, even though we described since the last 15 years have been the boom where uh, there's a facialist on almost every corner. But um, the last 35, 40 years have been uh, really the, the modern age of aesthetics and they, the ideas that were out there were wrong, and they are wrong. And so, you know, I, I'm, of course, very passionate about trying to uh, get the word out and say, hey, listen to what, what this approach does and how we can actually get to know exactly what's going on in their skin based on uh, some of the history of their health. And, and looking internally for the problems. And so, you know, we can certainly talk. I don't know if today uh, how much you want to talk about, you know, which internal conditions are causing the most trouble out there in the world of skin because um, candida is one of them. Uh, PCOS is another. And um, those are the two biggest ones, I would say. And then, of course, rosacea is caused by digestion. Melasma is caused by the liver. And um, what I love is that the science geeks, the ones that are so stuck in the, uh, the, the research, which is specifically designed to influence you, it's uh, not always the truth, um, that they, they're opening up now to this possibility. And what's driving it, Lori, is intuition. I'm loving the, the you know, it's, and it happens, of course, at every show we go to, oh my gosh, what you just said resonated with me. It just is my truth. I've always known that to be true. Um, and that's the part that I hope the, uh, our listeners today will embrace is really ask yourself when you're about to apply that acid on Mrs. Jones' face, is that in her best and highest good? Is that the best and highest uh, service you can provide to her skin to burn it as if, you know, it's imperfect? You know, I, I never really judge what somebody else does but I have to tell you from where I come from, I'm a Vermont girl. We were green and eco-friendly before it was a trendy thing to do. And I'm 45 years old. And I think my skin looks the way it does today because I've always tried to nourish it and not 
just run out there for the instant gratification type solution. And that's kind of what your skincare line osmosis is and does for people. It heals and it protects that barrier, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a process of addressing all of the components that we can address um, in a logical fashion. So you're looking at, um, of course, restoring the epidermal barrier to help protect the skin. You're looking at repairing the dermal epidermal junction, which is the birthplace of your epidermis, um, so that you can fix all the texture issues that accumulate with damage over time. And then you're going deeper and looking into the dermal area and saying, hey, first of all, in order to fix some of this dermis, we have to reach it. So part of our skincare strategy is the delivery system to get into the dermis. Uh, and then it's, well, what do I need to fix there and how do I go about it? And the, you know, the big easy answer for all formulators and wannabe formulators out there is work with the skin. You cannot be approaching this process of repair and recovery of your skin health without empowering the skin to be its best because it is so intricate it is so complex in its operation that it would be ignorant to think that you know when to drop an ingredient in disrupt what the skin was doing and try to redirect it in another way it, it will it never has worked it's why um, skincare has never been an age reversing phenomenon until recently um, because no one was was um, giving the, the I guess I would say the gratitude and respect to the skin function that was needed. You know, Retin-A is a great example. Retin-A, everyone thought, well, that's the magic collagen stimulator, um, and it is, but it is really carefully regulated in the skin, and trying to put it on your skin topically just doesn't work. It's too many inflammatory and negative side effects that cause the skin to thin instead of thicken. So it's not an easy solution in a one respect because we had to break away from all the Balarkey that's out there about how to approach, you know, we need to force exfoliation. We need to, you need a good burn every once in a while to cleanse the skin of that damage. Um, all of those things were uh, misdirections and um, we're embracing the new way. And well, I, let's go back. Actually, I want to go back from what transition took place from when you own these laser clinics and you're doing these types of treatments to oh, that's good. kind of exiting that and, you know, starting a skincare product line yeah. that has a totally different philosophy. Like what happened? What was the transition to get uh, you where you are today? Interesting stuff. You know, I'm, I'm a big believer in uh, everything happening for a reason. And I was, um, so I got into my clinics. Um, I honestly just didn't like the business. I wasn't enjoying myself very much, and I was caught up in the financial aspect of it because my primarily because I was losing money more than making money. Well, those lasers are extremely expensive. Yeah, I had three million dollars worth of lasers by the time I was done with all my clinics, and they weren't working. And people were having you know because I give away free service. If it didn't work, you know you got free service. <laughs> And um, I had a lot of free service, so I ended up having to close. But that, that pushed me into skincare. I started a company called Cosmetics, was still caught up in the wave. You know, I just started Cosmetics in 99 before I'd had my transition and did all the peels and had the idea that you needed to push your skin to exfoliate every day. And um, peels were good, although I did non-traumatic peels. You know, I was slowly getting there. Um, but the answer to the question came about when um, – my own truth wasn't being satisfied. I, I was not um, happy 
with where I was. I wasn't happy with the partners in my skincare line that had um, resulted from various transactions over a few years. And so um, it was hard because that was my baby. That was everything I was associated with. I spent you know, six years of my life on the road promoting cosmetics. And then I just had to um, abandon it. You know, basically I had to walk away because uh, it was a dysfunctional environment. And it was at that moment, you know, and, and this is maybe helpful to some of those people out there who worry about um, taking the leap and the fear of the unknown. I didn't have a job. When I quit cosmetics, I didn't have a job. I wasn't practicing medicine. I wasn't licensed in Colorado anymore, so I could move to California if I wanted to practice medicine. So I was really in a weird uh, place. And Let me ask you, what yeah. did you have to shift? Like, What strategy at that point popped into your mind that said, okay, I'm going to do what I want to do, purpose-driven, and I'm going to make it different? It's the, it is purpose, and it was the knowing. So I had a knowing that there was something else. And so when I was... Actually, I didn't. I wouldn't say that. I had a knowing there was something else. I didn't know it was another skincare line. I was um, sitting around uh, feeling a little sorry for myself, whatever, <laughs> you know. And then um, I started to um, analyze what I'd done and, and you know, what, what I liked about uh, cosmetics and what I didn't. And one of the things that I noticed is over that six-year period, I got older. Even though I was telling people we had such a great strategy, chirally correct skincare and non-traumatic peels and blah, 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 um, I was still getting older. And so the big epiphany and aha moment for me was when I actually started asking myself. So believe it or not, when I formulated cosmetics, I relied heavily on everybody else's opinion. And so I was uh, shifting and changing. And yes, okay, you know, I was heavily involved in the formulating process, but I was still listening to them. And when I went within and started to listen to myself, I just was on this path. Next thing I know, I'm looking at, and I'd never known this before, Lori, I, I had this huge retinol line. I mean, everything in cosmetics was retinol, retinol. And I didn't even know retinols only had a 2% penetration. So the first step was what? Well, that's a problem. And then, you know, then you start looking into the retinols and which ones are best. And then you look into, well, what would be most complimentary? And, and just being open to whatever showed up in the search and, and then doing a good analysis. So it, that was the sort of the epiphany moment for me was letting go of everything that I built up. And it's really sort of an ego blast when you do that. You just... Doesn't yeah, okay. our ego hold us back? It's amazing it when you can recognize that it may be getting in the way. For sure. I'm sure there are many estheticians out there who are in a job they don't like. They don't like their, their boss, whether he's a physician or a medispa manager or whatever. And they don't like the treatments they're doing per se, and they, people won't listen to them, and they don't have an, uh, an opportunity to express their own, um, you know, their own uh, intuitive desires of what how they want to practice aesthetics, and so they need to have the courage to go. I'm stepping away from this. This is not who I am. I don't I don't feel good every day doing this to people, and um, and when I did that, it opened up all kinds of doors. And that's what I think will happen for everybody else. Didn't that happen for you? Yeah. And you know what? You've said some pretty powerful things that I kind of want to just touch on right now. Like, first of all, being an entrepreneur, which many of us are in this beauty biz world, you, ha you will fail probably. And it's always 
kind of set in place to help us reach a better spot in our lives or maybe be more purpose driven. So I love that took place. And that's what brought you to where you are today. Another thing that you mentioned that I think is important and we should talk about is not caring what other people think. Ah, yeah, that that was a, a hard lesson for me. And so you go through your career and automatically think about how hard a step it was for me to leave residency. I don't think there's, <laughs> it is definitely less than 1%. It's probably like 0.1% of physicians who will actually leave residency training um, because of the unknown that that generates. Like, what are you going to do? How are you going to, you know, you, you've done your whole life. You know, it just, it is a shocker. I had all these people telling me I was crazy. Um, and then I'm in the laser business um, selling a procedure that I unknowingly was selling a bad procedure. In other words, the results were not very good. And, um, and then the damage to my ego that that took because, you know, I, my integrity is very important to me. And that was a blow to my integrity to have people challenging. Well, you told me, doctor, that my hair would be gone after three treatments. And then back then we believed that, you know. I just took a class the other day and this woman said something that was so simple yet so powerful. And I want to share this with you because I know it pops up in your life. Um, she said there are two types of people out there when we own a business. And one is they are your people. If you say something, you can see their eyes light up. They resonate with you. They connect to you. And those are the people we need to focus on in business. And then there are people that are not your people and they look at you like you're an alien. And (laughs) people need to know, you know, if you focus on the people that really resonate with who you are. And I know you get criticized here and there. And I want to talk to that a little bit because you are an out of the box thinker. And I have to tell you, every single time the media contacts me for a story, they want information on one of your services that I provide. Oh, (laughs) so what you're doing is working for me in my biz. And I love that you dare to be different. Well, but the thing was, and that was again a beat, a beat down on the um, on the ego for years. You know, you can imagine. Here I am at a, a dermatology, uh, the AAD dermatology show, speaking with another physician, trying to share with him just my perspective. For example, that melasma comes from the liver, and he walks away while I'm talking, and so. <laughs> You know, those moments are very... Wait, wait, wait. But tell me, what exactly goes through your head at that moment when somebody walks away from you mid-sentence? <laughs> well, I have to say, you know, the, I'm sure I had, I had to process that for a few days. I don't know. It, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was depressing. And, and you wonder, you know, is this, is this always going to be this way? Uh, you know, aren't I right? You start questioning yourself and you're like, boy, I sure hope... That you know this strong feeling I have that I'm 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 right is is correct and um, you know even today I'll talk to new accounts who are looking at us and they the, if I'm talking to physicians um, and uh, although I've had some great conversations with very open-minded dermatologists um, the uh, the general you know the the scoffing at the harmonized water is is sec- it's yeah it doesn't even phase me anymore so here's the good news for everybody out there who's thinking. Boy, those are tough decisions, Dr. Johnson. I don't know if I can just up and leave my job and see uh, what shows up next for me. Um, The answer to those decisions is you have profound, um, life-changing, life-maturing moments that make you so strong. And right now, for example, I am so strong in my knowing and in my direction 
that you can't phase me, you know, give me a derm walking away from me. I wouldn't think twice about it anymore because I would know that in a few years that guy is going to be studying my material. Uh, that's what I truly believe. So um, it has been, you know, life is about learning lessons and um, I had to learn the lessons of worthiness. I had to learn the, the lessons of letting go of ego and, um, and it's made me now, you know, very confident and very, um, sure of my uh, direction. Well, I appreciate you saying those things. And I know that it's going to be a very powerful message to a lot of the listeners. And I, I want to talk a little bit about osmosis. And then I want to talk a little bit about the personal Ben. So, oh, <laughs> well, that was pretty personal, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, osmosis skincare, if somebody wants to research your line, they want to check it out. Somebody new listening. Can you just give them a, a URL, like a website address so they can go on and see what you're all about? Absolutely. So it's osmosisskincare.com and uh, harmonizedwater.com, although we do talk about the harmonized water formulas a lot on uh, the osmosis site. And a lot of the information is in the back pages that you can't get to without registering with just simply an email and, and, and showing that you're an esthetician or a skincare professional. Um, and you can access a ton of that information. The general philosophy of osmosis, as I've sort of outlined, is about restoring the maximum capacity of repair that the skin is capable of. And the challenge, the only real challenge we're facing out there today is there are a lot of sick people. And if you're sick, your skin is sick. And so it can't rise up to the highest level. You can't push it as high as my highest protocol would want you to until you deal with the inner well-being um, at the same time or uh, prior to the, those treatments. Um, but what we basically do is we have a series of patents and patents pending around the idea that um, um, the products need to deliver to the dermis, and so we have delivery systems, that um, everything we use as an ingredient cannot cause harm to the skin, but uh, you know, with my physician hat on, I uh, absolutely had to have the maximal potency. So the quick skinny on all of that would be this, that if you're going to ask the skin to make a lot more collagen and elastin, you need to feed the skin because every year of your life, your skin's nutritional levels decline. And if you don't address that nutrition decline, you're working with a compromised deck. You know, it's just like, hey, I want to be this healthy, vibrant um, muscle guy, um, but I don't want to eat protein. You know, you're not going to build your muscle if you don't eat protein. Uh, so your skin's the same way. You are not going to make collagen and elastin and all the other goodies unless you can feed that process. And then we have some really unique technologies when it comes to DNA repair. Um, and we have uh, a strategies for recruiting more uh, cells, uh, growth factor products that are uh, second to none out in the industry with new technologies using something called exosomes. Yeah, that's in the stem factor, right? That that's product stem you have. Yeah. yeah, I can't keep that on my shelf. People yeah. love that product. I just uh, that has gotten such great uh, feedback. It's a new formula for us. We keep. I'm always looking for the next thing. So that's you know just know that when and if every, a new ingredient uh, appears out there that can assist in what we're doing, I'm all over it. But right now, as I mentioned from the Miami show, I'm just not hearing a lot about anything exciting. I know the world is about peptides today, but the big questions people never ask about peptides are, well, that seems like a neat peptide, and I see that it works in a Petri dish, 
but do you have any evidence that it actually penetrates and stays intact all the way down and works in the skin? And the answer is no. I've never seen a skin study uh, other than surface measurement, meaning the peptides plump the epidermis and that makes the wrinkle look better. I've never seen a skin study showing any sort of dramatic uh, changes to the physiology from a peptide. Um, but everyone's embraced that. And the other question is, am I missing that peptide? You know, we, we do have, tend to get a shortage of all of our skin goodies, I'll call it, over time. But I don't know that that peptide that we're delivering, call it, um, what's some, one of some of the more popular ones out there now, um, blanking, but, um, you know, whether or not I'm even short that peptide or if that's going to serve my skin at all. So um, that's why I think the peptide thing is going to come and go, kind of like plant stem cells are on their way out, kind of like glycolic acid is on its way out. Um, you know, we're seeing trends where people swore that they that particular ingredient was the best thing ever, but nothing ever actually reversed aging. And um, that's what osmosis is about, is permanent change to the skin. And you do it, you can make a broken capillary disappear once you understand why it showed up in the first place. And the reason why... For example, a broken capillary showed up is because you have a wound there and the skin was feeding it with extra circulation to try to heal it faster. So when you take a laser to that wound, you disrupt that process. But if you take something like our product called Catalyst to that broken capillary, it will accelerate the wound healing and that broken capillary in many cases just disappears within several weeks, sometimes two to three weeks. Um, and that's the nature of the game is what's broken and what's the best way to fix it. And I promise you, it's not by wounding the skin. Well, you've actually written a book about this. Maybe you could give the name and where people can find it because you wrote it in a way or it was written in a way that made sense to me. You don't, you talk like a doctor, but still you get it as an esthetician. Can oh, you give good. a shout uh, out to that? Shout out. Well, it's on its last few. <laughs> if you're listening to this, you better get one. But they're <laughs> about to run out. It's out of sight circulation. Um, now, I am working um, in my head on the next book. Um, I'm just waiting for some last bits of inspiration. Well, what's from, the name of it so people can grab the last yes, few? Because yes. I know Tran I'm going to get a ton transform, of emails. Transform Your Skin Naturally is the okay. book. <laughs> um, it is about a decade old, and uh, most of it is relevant. It doesn't have all the latest technology that I'm using today. But one of the things that I, I say comfortably is almost everything. There's one thing that I said a decade ago that I don't still believe and that uh, I'll get to that in a second. Almost everything that I've been saying for a decade, I haven't changed. And, um, and that just should show you that, you know, it, it, every skincare line out there every year, they've got some new latest and greatest thing that's going to plump your skin a little bit better, I guess, but it's almost uh, exhausting. Yeah. But, but it's never, it's never really different. And that's where I think people have kind of become, disenchanted with the skincare industry because it's kind of all been the same. Uh, but the one thing that I did change was I used to believe that melasma was caused by liver damage created by a fungal infection because I couldn't explain why pregnant women would get melasma. So I just assumed because they tend to develop, um, you know, yeast conditions during pregnancy that that was the trigger somehow a fungal toxin of some kind uh, but now I just know that hormones um, on a slightly compromised liver can um, can be the trigger. So um, anyway, uh, yes, thank you for the shout out for the book. And I am uh, I'm just working. The next book is, you know, it's sort of the, the next phase of this process, incorporating a little bit more 
potentially spirituality into the the uh, the, imp- the importance of spirituality in uh, skin health. Uh, the, of course, nutrition. I didn't go very deep into nutritional pieces, um, and all of those are hard. We're in a transitional time right now. So uh, anyway, so hopefully my inspirations come soon. You know, do we? started the talk about there not really being anything great and new at some of these trade shows, but we've had a conversation and I don't even know if it's ready to share yet. You are planning kind of almost like a a holistic type approach training. So can we look forward to seeing that in the future at any time? Because you're right, we're shifting towards this. And I think you just have a, a beautiful message to share and point us all in the right direction surrounding this. Well, I do have on paper the Holistic Aesthetic Practitioner Program. Um, I was going, uh, I am going to be combining um, Eastern uh, philosophies and Eastern medicine techniques for facials that uh, appear to be, um, you know, how you touch the skin matters. And we love to bring that, incorporate that into it. We want to incorporate in um, uh, even uh, part of the reason I've been talking with you, Lori, as you know, is to incorporate your awesome message about empowering the esthetician to be successful uh, at every level. And, um, and so it's going to be a broad uh, thing, you know, maybe a four-day course, um, maybe on the love boat or something. I haven't decided. Where, <laughs> Captain Steubing's going to guide us through it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we, we can go out and get a sunburn and, and then do an actual uh, – treatment and live view of our sunburn we just created. No. Oh, well, Um, you know what? I'm in. This sounds like fun. So keep us all posted. (laughs) Yeah. But that's coming hopefully this year. That'll be um, coming out. But it does. it's a certification program to really give uh, more of a comfort level to those estheticians that want to up their game uh, to be the most complete person they can be. That sounds incredible. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I know you're a super busy guy and you're always looking for the next best way to help us improve our business as estheticians. So I appreciate the time that you took today. And I appreciate you sharing a little bit of your personal life. I know many listeners are curious about who you are and what triggered you to do what you're doing today. Yes, thank you. I, I really enjoyed it. And my, um, yeah, I don't get an opportunity very often to share some of these stories. So, so nice of you to invite me to this, Lori. Well, of course. And I hear, rumor has it, you are going to be at my live event in August. Yeah, <laughs> that is uh, my plan. I'm, uh, I've got, I told you, I'm trying to book my family vacation around that event. So, I should not be a problem. Okay, very cool, because we're looking forward to it. So with that being said, I, I th- again, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. I'll let you get back to whatever magical thing you're working on. <laughs> we'll, <laughs> we'll be in touch soon. Thank you, Lori. Thanks for doing what you do. All Talk right, awesome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, six simple strategies to generate a dramatic increase in your beauty biz income and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com. Or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. Thanks again for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show.